to another week on Sluts and Scholars, where we make your sex smarter and your smart sexier. I am Simone. And I'm Nicoletta. And this week, we have Anna Cherry, or Anna Cherry on top. <laughs> um, she has a bachelor's degree in neuroscience and psychology, a double major from Rhodes College. Uh, she also co-hosts a science, sex, and healing-minded podcast called Cherry Stem on YouTube, as well as doing full-time work as an indie porn producer, performer, Cam model, erotic model, cam coach, and cosplayer. Welcome. So welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. We're so happy to be here. You were kind of just telling us how you found out about us. I would love if you could repeat that, please. Sure, of course. Uh, I follow the Free Speech Coalition as well as CZQ. And Fag Suzy uh, was kind enough to uh, write a little blurb about me uh, in the SF Weekly when uh, I was helping a friend start up a pet play. Uh, website and uh, oh, what, a pet play with, website. A uh, pet play that is when oh pet play yeah she's a she's a um, pig pig she's a piggy. There you go. Uh, yeah, and I'm usually uh, a kitty or a bunny or something random like that. And uh, so yeah, through that we've uh, sort of maintained a Twitter friendship. And of course, being a performer in California in US, I followed the Free Speech Coalition as well. And I believe one of them retweeted something, uh, one of your podcasts onto my timeline. And oh, thank you, Free title, Speech Coalition and Susie. Yeah. Yeah. Once, once I saw your title, I was like, I, I got to get in on this. Uh, <laughs> I'm both. Let's do it. Yeah. We're happy to have you. Yeah. We're all, we love sluts and scholars because that's obviously what we are, what we look for, and who we like to talk to. So, for people out there who don't know what pet play is, um, can you help us explain it a little bit? Sure, sure. It's, uh, one would say that it's a variance of the dominant, uh, submissive relationship dynamic that you sometimes see portrayed in pornography. And uh, it doesn't have to be necessarily pornography, it could just be, you know, nude photos. But for the most part, it is when a human uh, dresses up and acts uh, like a pet uh, of a varying kind. So it's sort of like furriness, uh, like furries, but we don't really put on the full suit and any of that. But of course, you get little ears and you have little paws and you have a little tail. Aww. Usually by, view, by way of a butt plug. Uh, that's always fun. <laughs> I actually won the human, uh, my pony won the human pony show at DomCon. Oh, this shit. Last year, I had never met this pony before, Speckles, but um, they needed, I guess Speckles needed like a handler, and so pony play is when people like to dress up as horses or ponies, and so they might have everything from like these like leather hoofs to ears to a tail, um, pretty much however they want to make their or feel that they are a horse um, I feel like pony. Nicoletta kind of had a leg up, though, because she's like a real horse person, like did competitive <laughs> jumping for most of her life. Well, yeah, so I was going to be a competitive, like, you know, pony handler. And so we won, like, best in show, <laughs> best confirmation. Shout out to Speckles. You were a great Shout pony. out to Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So my biggest, biggest accomplishment. So how did you decide on um, Kitty or Bunny, or those are just animals you, you like? Yeah, it's just animals in general. I mean, now that you mentioned the horse thing, I, as, as a kid, I, you know, would walking out with my parents uh, in Eastern Europe, we'd be walking from my grandparents' house to ours. And, you know, I'd pretend I was a horse and 
my mom would be like, all right, run to that lamppost and then back. And so, and then later I wanted a dog and I was like, well, I'll pretend to be a dog. <laughs> so I made my I brother had- pretend to be a dog. I put him on a leash and walked him around the block. Oh, so you were doing pet play before you even like knew. I did. I, shout out to my brother for putting up with a lot of weird shit. I, I fully like <laughs> tied him to the four posts of my bed and I have a video of him screaming, let me free. <laughs> oh my God. That's like a, abusive. I was like nine. No, I was like, t- I would tell him be like, no, like shout it louder. Like look, to, look like you're in despair. <laughs> Dang. Starting like, as a dog. A director too. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Shout so, out to you. I'm, I myself, my family's from Russia and you said you're from Eastern Europe. We would love to hear how you, how you came to be in the U S and kind of your journey over. Yeah, I actually am uh, half Russian, half Romanian, Ukrainian, uh, Jewish sort of mix. And uh, yeah, I lived me in, too. <laughs> of course, as all most Russians are anyway, it's a bit of a mix of everything. And uh, I'm culturally Russian um, as I lived with the, the side of my family that was from Russia. And that's the language I spoke more than Moldovan, which is Moldova, the country where I grew up and lived mm-hmm. until I was 13. Uh, most people don't know where that is, and it's totally okay. It's uh, between Romania and Ukraine. It's tiny little wine country, uh, but I just am Russian. It, it's easier, and <laughs> it sort of reflects my culture and language. So, um, yeah, we won the green card, and we were one of those Yay! few lucky lottery winners who came over here, uh, me and my immediate family. We've tried to get our grandparents over here, but they're they're being a little stubborn about it. Uh, the, the culture shock and the lack of sort of community uh, for Russians, uh, like where they could go out and sort of feel at home and know the language is a little uh, non-existent where my parents live, which is mm-hmm. in the Mid-South. Uh, but even anywhere in the U.S., uh, unless you're, I guess, in Little Russia and in, in New York, it'd be really difficult to sort of accommodate uh, elderly people who, you know, are used to being self-sufficient in the world. So, yeah, yeah they don't really want to come over. But, uh, but yeah, we, we came over here in 2001 when I was 13. And my parents since then moved, um, we went, moved to California first, and then we went to Mid-South, and they have stayed there, had a second daughter with my stepdad and mom, and uh, I now came back to California. So that, and I, have, of course, had Rhodes College back there in the Mid-South because of, you know, my parents yeah. moving to find jobs. Um, I know that you mentioned, well, in our research, you do camming, right? And I know you can pick, like, what countries can see where you're camming. Is Russia and or Moldova, like, A-OK or nay? I'm, I have everything. Everything. Uh, everything's fine. Uh, do you do multilingual? Not- do you do multilingual performing? Unfortunately, I left before I could learn all the naughty words in my language. Oh, so. no. <laughs> I'm lacking a little in the vocabulary department, but uh, I have definitely conversed with people who I can tell have a Russian name or, and I would just say, Privet, you know, just start talking Russian. And the English speaking uh, clientele really enjoys when I do that. So that, that's fun. I've been meaning to brush up on, on some of the terminology, but it's difficult to know when you read erotica if it's, you know, something corny because sometimes you you kind of encounter that in, in erotica they would, <laughs> yeah they use sometimes just really odd words that you wouldn't really use to seduce a person yeah so uh I mean, like this number i just throbbing or number. i just think about like the number of times in 50 shades of gray that like she uses the wrong word like you can tell that she just did like right click synonym because she wanted to use a different word and like so instead of quiet she uses taciturn at like a totally inappropriate time <laughs> 
as her moist clam was like, oh, oh. <laughs> her, what did she call her genitals? My my love, her because, inner goddess. Oh my inner, well I kind of like that. Oh my gosh, her she mixes her sports metaphors. Her inner goddess does like triple axel, like mixes up ice skating and gymnastics. Why can't she do all the things? <laughs> so. We have interviewed people who do some mainstream, you know, porn acting and stuff. And so I would love to hear how, um, yeah, how you're able to make a lifestyle and do things with camming and independent stuff, because I think it's a totally, you kind of get to set your own rules a little more, I would imagine. Very much so. Yeah. It's, uh, it's actually one of the sort of requirements that my partner and I would both do pornography. We do videos or we have our own sites. Uh, now we're working we just launched mine not that long ago, and Congrats. then we launched a, a cosplay erotica uh, hub. Uh, for please, please elaborate on cosplay erotica. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, it's dollhouse uh, dot fun spelled in a German way. Um, like like dollhouse. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So we just launched that, and then we're working on his uh, website. We'll be launching that soon, and we're working on content for that. But so we've been to lovers now and we actually started camming and all of that it's a, together in a way. Oh, and wow. it was always important to us to be with each other more than sort of have a lot of money or a lot of, you know, whatever. And so we've just sort of been making our way ourselves and staying true to each other and to what we find enjoyable. Because I know one of the questions you might want to ask is, you know, how did we get into the camming thing? Well, we actually thought that I've always thought I was an exhibitionist, uh, pretty certain of it, but, you know, got to put it to the test, right? So yeah, join the club. We, yeah. <laughs> so I had sex in front of some friends uh, once, and I loved it. It was the best thing ever. And then we decided that since we have a pretty robust sex life as it is, and we, you know, do it daily, and we love each other and be, being with each other sexually, so why not try to make a living off of it? And that's how we wow. started research camming. How and long ago how was we, this? That just sounds so logical. <laughs> 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 it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's just kind of how we started in, in that whole thing. And uh, and so because of that, it's always been more important to us to maintain a certain lifestyle of, you know, freedom and being together, which is very difficult to do when you have a normal nine-to-five. Uh, people are very segregated, separated, fractured, uh, and constant sort of daily existence uh, pushes couples apart uh, all the time. And uh, we just... Did not want to repeat mistakes that, you know, we saw other people do and mm. that we've had in our own relationships in the past. And we just, we cared about each other more than about anything else. So because of that, we decided to stay independent and to maintain our own environment. Uh, and that's kind of where the independent porn production came in because very frequently you will have um, a situation where mainstream pornography will pull the female model aside and they will want to get her alone. They will want to talk to her by herself. They will deny an onset advocate. Oh, will fuck. Be sort of shunned. Yeah. Uh, we actually st stepped away from uh, a major company. I will not name uh, when um, they basically refused me to even have them in an interview, which is like, you know, you people realize this is someone who is not only my partner in most things in life, but there's also my coach, my sensei, somebody who has helped me a lot and helps me feel the most comfortable and most sexual. He actually inspires my freedom and he's essential uh, in my photo shoots. And I actually did, you know, camming and then modeling and then porn. So it was a weird little uh, sequence of events, but mm -hmm. he's always been 
there as moral support. Uh, even when I did girl-only camming, he was always in the room in order to help me keep the sexual atmosphere. We sort of bounce it off of each other instead of, you know, getting dragged down by the the members who maybe not, you know, sometimes they're down times on yeah. camp and well, nothing's I'm, really happening. <laughs> and I'm so instead curious. of sitting there. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. I was just curious about the timeline on this. Like, when did you start? Sure. Well, we started in 2009. So, wow. um, yeah, all the way back then. And I did solo camming first uh, because of I was on naked.com and then quickly switched to my fair cams. And they do not allow uh, any maleness whatsoever. Uh, oh, interesting. No we didn't know that. Yeah. We went to the AVN house party, and I have a My Free Cams uh, magic wand. They gave a lot of swag. A lot of swag. But that's a bummer. They don't. It's only female. Yes, and so no male models, no uh, boy-girl shows, none of that. So, but, but I needed a way to sort of keep my energy up uh, in times when it was specifically free-to-play sites where um, you sort of give away a lot publicly in order to hopefully entice people into tipping you. So there's a bit of a competing with other models for the most sort of risque and interesting or personality-driven um, show. And, uh, and a lot of times people will be over to somebody else's room because they're doing, you know, a public show, but you haven't reached your goal. So you're like, well, I'm clothed and not that interesting. So, you know, there's those yeah. little interactions that I needed. Um, you know, I, I need help. We are sort of, we together are one person is how we, we see it. And you I and know your partner? Apparently, yes. And it's not all that common, I realize. And it's difficult to talk about it because I don't know what words to use to help people sort of understand what that is like, but it is it is literally like we are, you know, one soul in two bodies. And is he in the room with you right that, now? Uh, he was keeping an eye on me a minute ago to make sure that I'm comfortable, but uh, I think cool. he might have gone to make coffee. <laughs> no, I don't care. No, you're soulless. Where is he? No, but that, I mean, that it sounds like you two have quite a connection. I was going to ask if it was difficult to stick to one partner in the work, but it sounds like for you that's the only option you see, really. Well, I mean, when... Hi. <laughs> ah, and he walks Hi. in. <laughs> Sorry, this is a female only, no no male performers allowed. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but uh, actually, I initially, when I wanted to approach you guys, I wanted to mention that uh, we both are actually scholars uh, as well as lots. But uh, it's not, I mean, we. he doesn't, like, restrict me in any way. It's not that, you know, we have uh, in any way a... Um, a block to performing with other males or anything like that. Uh, we choose personally because we see our work as a representation of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, in real life, it is what we call reality porn or real, wow, porn, real sex. So what we do on camera, on cam, uh, is what we do in real life. We you don't feel bo- any difference. Uh, well, I mean, there's a, a little bit of like angles being. I guess being an exhibitionist, there really isn't, but there's sometimes, you know, you would do things, you would open up to the camera, you would keep the proper posture, whereas in, you know, in real life, you may, like, not really care about that as much. (laughs) Trying to get the right angles. (laughs) Right, exactly. There's that. And, uh, And he does all the camera work, and comes on cue in all our shows. So, I mean, he's quite multi-talented uh, wow. performer. Uh, but yeah, in our real life, we'd be like, we'd, you know, we're open to women. We have always, you know, sort of the way I find empowerment and sexuality and, and what I find attractive is, you know, to sort of have a, a harem of women that, you know, are interact with us, with me, with him. And it's something that we've pursued in our 
personal life, we would go out and we'd meet someone and we'd be like, hey, you want to join us? And uh, then we'd be like, hey, we also do camming. You want to join us on there? And so then we'd bring wow. them and, you know, sometimes you'd want to have a little summer fling where you do a little bit of adult work and, you know, for a few months. And so those girls that are interested in that, we'd work with them. And then there's others who are, you know, adult performers and we'd work with them as well. So we've done a lot of threesomes and working with other girls. And so far, I haven't quite found the right conditions for a gangbang, but I'm very, very open to it. <laughs> you know, it's good to be open. We should yes, all be very, open to a good bang. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, what do you think are some of the, like, if you were coaching a new person coming in or someone new to camming, what are some things that you would tell them to, to think about or to be Do's aware of? Do's and don'ts, according to Cherry. Yes. <laughs> uh, do be friendly. Uh, and do be open. Uh, in a lot of ways, do have empathy and compassion, but also do not take it to heart, either the extreme praise or the extreme um, insults. Uh, either of those, uh, you need to sort of not pay much attention to. Uh, but uh, there is an element of sort of keeping your own morale up as well. As, not so much morale as, because that, that is difficult. You do need definitely tools to be able to keep morale because the camming world is very uh, unpredictable. It is quite uncertain. You never yeah. know if you have a good day or a bad day. Well, like hearing you describe what it was like seeing the other uh, women uh, doing their shows and, and doing crazier shows mm -hmm. and having to give away a lot for free just sounds, sounds like, like it's really competitive. It really, It's like very unfettered capitalism in a really interesting and obvious way. Um, and I, I don't know, that's just like what's sticking in my mind of how, how like – intense of like an obvious like financial competition they make their website and that must be yes, super that, demoralizing at times exactly because that financial competition translates into your own personal value because you're putting yourself out there exactly. as a performer and then you think well people don't like me and it's like uh, no there's so many so things it's easier it's easy to internalize it when the merchandise is you of course um, exactly what were some of the exactly but then you, you have to realize that day of the week time of day, uh, local events of, you no, know, what is it? Football Sunday or whatever it is. Like little things like Super hurricane slow. Harvey. If there's you know. the eclipse going on. Like <laughs> so many things. Yes, exactly. And that will, well, I didn't go to the eclipse, so I would have been logging Whenever on. I fucking went to Wyoming. <laughs> yep. What Summers are some of the worst? bad for cam girls. You know, just little things like that that have to do with even daylight savings hours change when you should go on cam unless you have a... Well, see, there's a difference between performers who do live sex shows, as in, like, get in, get out, bang one out, do a live porn mm -hmm. performance, sort of like, you know, you would see on, uh, you know, a porn site or whatever, like a little clip, versus those who uh, put a lot of time into it and have sort of friendships and girlfriend experience and they sort of have a emotional connection with their partners or their viewers, partners, whatever. Sometimes there's lots of shady things going on where guys think that they're boyfriends and mm -hmm. the model has a fan of them. So, you know, there's different dynamics on the free-to-play sites versus the pay-to-play and I've been on Streamate now, which is a pay-to-play. You're not allowed to show, you know, anything explicit or new. When you say pay-to-play, uh, what is pay-to-play for listeners out there? Well, a pay-to-play is where if you want to see nudity, if you want to see well below the belt nudity specifically, and you want to see explicit activity, you have to initiate a per-minute per payment situation. Uh, while you have the free sites or free-to-play, uh, like MyFreeCams and Chatterbait, as an example, 
they uh, allow anything in public. You can do whatever you want. You can have uh, an orgy or, you know, whatever is that's legal on the site in, in public view. Nobody needs to be paying for it at all. It's free. Uh, but of course, you are hoping that they will give you tips and it's it's a different dynamic and i have personally found that my style of camming and my personality which is it's very clear that these people are my fans and they're there for a mutual exchange of yeah. sexuality and that's it in fact we we do a lot of role play of uh i have i call myself a succubus and uh traditionally in uh-huh. the <laughs> In the D&D lore, etc., a succubus is a, cre- a female creature who seduces a male and yeah, uh, takes his soul. Like, yeah, yeah, get it, Cherry. Drains him completely. But, uh, you know, in order to not <laughs> How does have this any translate victims, to camming? Well, that's exactly right. That's what I do. I do it on cam uh, so that I take a little bit of life essence from every viewer so that I don't drain one single male to death, you know? Nobody dies. <laughs> <laughs> happy. Oh that's gosh. so ethical. <laughs> Yes. And, What's and the most common my, request that you get? Well, that kind of goes into my niches uh, a little bit, but I sort of impose my succubus um, fetish onto people, and uh, I've gotten a lot of reviews back where uh, members tell me that they have felt sort of liberated by this idea that I am here to take their life force, you know, and, and wow. as sort of a, a joke on it, it's like, well, your life force is your cum and your money because, you know, you have to pay back. <laughs> Yes, I, I live off of it. it. It literally, you know, and to me, the, the sexiest thing and the most sexual that I feel is when a person is aroused by me. So, you know, to inspire their sexuality, their arousal, to release their inhibitions is all, even before I was camming or doing anything sexual, that was sort of a central thing. Uh, there was a question asked, you know, when you're a teenager and you have those little like quizzes that you ask each other. And one of them that really stuck in my mind was if you were a demon, what kind of demon would you be? And I remember thinking about that. And the first thing and the strongest that I stayed with is that I would want to walk down the street and just release people's inhibitions. And I don't know if that's it's what you I thought as a, a teenager. Jury. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like imagining these conversations. What demon would you be? Oh, I'd release everybody's inhibition. It's just such <laughs> awesome. a funny thing. It's so advanced. Well, I think it's, I mean, oh, there's, I, have, sorry. Oh, sorry. I just have a question. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Never mind. Go Good, ahead. Good, I'll take it. Tag me in. Um, so I, there's definitely obviously still a stigma about people, I think, in any adult entertainment industry that it's like, oh, well, they're only doing this because they had no other choice or they're desperate mm. or whatever. But I mean, you went to school for two, you know, great things, neuroscience and mm-hmm. psychology. What what do you think had you choose um, maybe this adult lifestyle versus going a more academic whatever route? Well, it did start initially as a, a way to sort of help uh, pay the bills while I was going to college because the college job that provided that they provided me with wasn't, you know, really helping with the bills. And so it was half of it was a curiosity and desire to just put our life um, to make a living off of what we do already sexually. Yeah. And the other half was necessity. Sure. Uh, but after you have the degree, you know, you have the connections, you have the network, uh, you know, you can very easily go into the academia. And, um, my issue with it was that the research that I wanted to pursue and, uh, what I wanted to do would not only require, there was already, you know, student debt as it was, but of course it would require a postdoctorate and that is, more student ed, but more importantly, it, the atmosphere of academia is 
very unhealthy uh, mentally. There's a lot of, now, it's not even pressure, it's the values are all messed up, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody sort of has this pretense of, you know, how busy they are all the time, and just, oh, I'm busy, oh, I'm so busy, oh, I was just the busiest. And uh, I would say there's that, a pressure, too. I mean, I've definitely been on that road of, like, master's and PhD and whatever, and it keeps going, and sometimes you feel like, why, what am I doing all of this for? Like, it mm-hmm. definitely is right. overwhelming, and, like, you're sort of, it's very goal-oriented, like, there's you're a, working to this next thing and this next thing, but yeah. where's the, the journey experience? There's, yeah, there's a great book that just came out, actually, called Campus Confidential by Dr. Jacques Berliner-Blau, who actually was one of my professors in college, and it kind of tears away this whole, like, curtain that's, like, and shows the ivory tower for what it really is is and talking about how it is like as you said super toxic and just like this mm-hmm. whole like you're not even really teaching students and professors should really be there to teach students and all they're doing is like research 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 publish 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 yeah I don't know. and yes. you get to work from home and make your own schedule and- what kind of research did you want to do i'm curious uh, well, uh, I actually wanted to look into antheogens and um, which is psychedelics uh, that are specifically useful for brain development. There's actually a subclass of serotonin neurons called 5-HT2A, and it's what is dysregulated in most mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. And there's actually um, psilocybin, which is much better. shroomy shrooms. Uh, Yep, psilocybin <laughs> therapy that can, there's a lot of misconception about uh, the way we currently do things is, you know, if you, have, you have receptors in your brain and then you need to shut them down when you have too many of them, or if you don't have enough, you need to flood them, the gates and then get more of them. However, the brain is a homeostasis machine, which tries to fix itself and balance itself. So mm-hmm. when you have too many receptors, the brain has them there for a reason and blocking them will only make your brain grow more don't <laughs> there's and with ssris which is the antidepressants that are currently prescribed there's even an understanding in the psychiatry field that we don't, we don't know how it works it just seems to help with the symptoms and uh, you know what you're doing is you're flooding the uh, the synapses with all this extra serotonin and because you don't have enough receptors and so the brain mm-hmm. sees all this extra serotonin and it goes oh snap i need even less receptors and so that's why people you know, often kill themselves when they go off of it for just a little while because mm-hmm. it the brain naturally tries to adjust itself, but if you are, don't know what you're doing by by not understanding that it's a homeostasis machine, yeah. which is currently where neuroscience is at, or not neuroscience, but psychiatry. It's super important to not go off your SSRIs without your doctor's right. opinion, following, all of that. Um, right, so there's a, a lot of stuff there that could go on about for hours. But well, I, I, would love to, I would love to hear what you think, maybe some of the, in your own experiences or the things you did study, some of the yeah. healing mechanisms of psychedelics. Well, because I, I know there's a lot of studies going on at Johns Hopkins right now, right? Well, They're when like I was big... in high school, I read, um, did you ever read the book? I can't remember what it's called, but it was a work uh, by Aldous Huxley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who wrote Brave New World. And uh-huh. I, I think it was him. And he did all these like studies of when he was on LSD and like wrote stories. Oh, that was a great Doors of perception. Yeah. Yeah. If the doors of perception were cleansed, we would see everything as is, as infinite, right? Yes. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of other things I would like to do um, in terms of research where, you know, human happiness is essentially important to me. I went into uh, the field in psychology because I wanted to be a clinical therapist, clinical psychologist. And then I realized that literally on the day of of me. Literally on the day of major declaration, uh, you know, with an hour left, I tore up my psychology major declaration and turned in a neuroscience one because I've taken neuroscience classes with a fantastic uh, professor, Dr. Garrick, in um, in Rhodes College, and she sort of opened my eyes to that. You know, you need the brain is what the mind does is was her tagline, 
And uh, it really brought together the understanding for me that you, you can't just have cognitive behavioral therapy, you can't just have talk therapy and without addressing the hardware, you cannot deal with it only on the topical level. You have to look at nutrition, you have to look at neurochemicals, you have to look at, you know, uh, maybe brain damage in some areas or mm. a different function. Uh, you need to look at MRIs there. It's a complimentary uh, thing to each other. So some, I, I would went, say some, I mean, adding to that and piggybacking mm-hmm. on that somatic things too. I think it's frustrating sometimes. What does somatic mean? Just in your body mm-hmm. work. Um, and so it's frustrating sometimes as a talk therapist because um, in some ways there's only so far we can go and there's ways we can get into the body and talk ways. You yeah, know, there's ways you can get into the body. Yeah. No, but you know, mindfulness exactly. and all that stuff. But at the same time. Absolutely. The meditation, all of there's so much that also the academia sort of scoffs at. And, so, you know, back to the, the toxic environment, there definitely is this attitude of, I, I know this little tidbit. What tidbit do you know? And there's just constant yeah. uh, warring atmosphere between it's very competitive in, in the most toxic sort of ways and on top of that there's grant money you, you right. who will study that who will pay for that you know and so there's so many things that i would like Definitely to research that are just not that are not in the interests of the powers that be because right. you know they, they don't really want people to be happy and relaxed and not constantly uh-huh. scramble for you know whatever it is that gives them gives the sort of powers that be the capital the there's i see it as there are demons feeding on humanity and they're feeding on our suffering and, and so you're uh, just and like it, fuck that i'm gonna go cam exactly i said fuck that i'm gonna do what makes me happy i'm gonna be with my partner because you know what the number one number two number ten regrets that people have on their deathbed is not spending enough time with family and working too much so you know forget that. Them. Uh, yeah, i'm not yeah. gonna do that so i will do what i can which is healing and sexual healing is extremely powerful and the way we do camming is uh, as i mentioned it is reality so uh, a big passion of mine is to normalize reality and real sexual relationships uh, while also making it sexy of course you can do both imagine that but it is, uh, I but love that you're bringing that up because we had Jessica Drake on a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and she talks a lot about uh, how in her guide to wicked sex she really tries to show that like porn isn't real and this is what real sex is and she and, and uh, the two examples that she brought up was one she showed a an unerect penis just a flaccid penis before it became erect when you take it out of pants and, and just that about real thing was like was so like huge helpful because to like watching. It's, because people always assume that men have to be like rock hard and spring locked and loaded and another thing was like reaching locked to out. grab lube like just these things that like yep. you should incorporate into your sex life but in most images of sex that we have either porn or just like love scenes in mainstream movies, we don't see all this nitty gritty. So I'm curious what kind of things you think you bring to the table in terms of bringing about like the reality of sex. Yeah. Normalize it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, some of it just has to do with the the most central sort of tenant of uh, what I do. And that is I went through orgasm training and I learned how my body functions and how to achieve orgasm. And I do not fake it ever. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Hey, and, and yes, yes, never fake it, listeners. Absolutely. Uh, and <laughs> what I do, is, <laughs> yeah. And it's what so I do, is, don't uh, fake it. Yeah, I've had some actually, you know, insecurities about that that I needed to overcome because the way I, you know, I need to take five to ten minutes sometimes, and I and I do a particular. Girl, sometimes you know, I take like twenty finger. or thirty. Five to <laughs> yeah. ten is dreamy. Well, that's you know, I'm subjective. Subjective. <laughs> what? <my job. laughs> It's your job. But, you know, there is sort of this uh, feeling that when you're on camera, you know, like people are paying per minute. And I'm like, well, 
I, I feel like my face is ugly. I feel like my, what I'm doing with my body is ugly. And there's all this, you know, all this self-esteem crap that, you know, I've had to get over and to normalize even my own sexual expression. And then sites like Beautiful Agony and even, you know, my viewers have been fantastic in helping me realize that, no, what people actually truly crave is genuine expression. What's Beautiful Especially Agony? Special, a Beautiful Agony is a website uh, that focuses on the female face uh, as During their climax. As oh. their masturbating. Yes. Wow. Yeah, they masturbate and climax, and it's just the face. And so, you know, you get to experience what real sexual expression of the female. I look like a totally crazy person. Like, I look like I'm just, one Everybody time, one yeah, time, but it means time you're really in the moment. Was like, I feel like I just exercised you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you did. Or she. No, actually, there used to be treatment for hysteria in the right. 50s, which involved, you know, manual masturbation. And I, I come really and actually hard. opened up Come the demons bars. away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, I think, a bar in Manhattan that opened up that, you know, deals with clitoral stimulation as a therapy. And then you mentioned with the, with the penis thing, too, is that men have uh, extremely, both men and women get sort of a false impression of uh, what, attractive human beings are like and if they during sex and if they want to be attractive to their partner they look at porn and that is not quite the real thing especially with how prevalent it is uh access is yeah. currently and because of that though the flip side is, is people uh who are viewers they look through all these uh, videos and after a while they start to notice the difference between real and fake and so in my personal camming and, and website, et cetera, has been kind of a boon uh, that there is access to pornography as much as there is because people sort of start getting an idea of what is real and what isn't. And therefore, my real expression is something that draws them to that. And ultimately, it doesn't matter what you look like as long as you're enjoying yourself. And well, that's it's interesting really, you know, that you like, talk about real because you also do cosplay. And I know cosplay <laughs> can be real for many people. But for those of you out there who don't know what cosplay is, you know, shortened form of costume play. Sort of. So can you tell us a little bit about that and, and how that like gets into your work? Before we do, I just want to make sure we got to what do you th what is like your effort of normalizing real sex. I just oh, wanted okay. to hear about what you did specific if there's anything that you didn't get to say specifically, we can cut this part out otherwise. But I just wanted to make sure that the, we address like how you feel you're personally addressing normalizing sex. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's that's part of it. And then I've also kind of wanted to maintain uh, hair on my partner's body. But there is an element of, you know, when muscles show up a little better when you're shaved. So, you know, we do a sort of trimming uh, element there. But I've been wanting to normalize male hair, for instance, because I, I find it to be a What about on. female um, hair? Do you have hair? Uh, I have a triangle above, but I shave the undercarriage, so sort of the Asian style. And But yes, the I do undercarriage. have... A, <laughs> the the triangle of of pubic hair and there's uh, there's been some what issue about like with... leg hair and armpit hair and stuff. Oh yeah, no. Uh, sometimes you know I just would not care as much about it, but for the most part, you have to sort of keep in mind that there are going to be some uh, viewers, and this sort of actually goes into into autism, which is the extreme maleness of the brain, as Asperger Hans Asperger character uh, correct character characterize. You got it, <laughs> and, girl. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you have to look at, you have to sort of keep in mind that there will be viewers who are inexperienced often. Uh, I mean, there are certain parts of the world where you have, you know, a tremendous amount of 40-year-old virgins. That's just kind of the norm. Uh, there are a lot of men who have not experienced sexuality for themselves, experienced, you know, natural, real women. And so all they have is sort of the screen appearance. And then they have uh, a slightly more bent towards the OCD 
a sort of mindset. And mm-hmm. because of that, you have to keep in mind that there are going to be viewers who are going to be turned off by, you know, real things because they're just, they just don't understand what to do with it. And, uh, and so, and it makes me feel, you know, feminine if, when I shave. Uh, but there's been many times when I've not really been all that stringent about it. <laughs> yeah. And there's really, yeah, there's really not been, I've not seen it impact my bottom line. I mean, I think that's a tough balance by trying to be, to be yourself and be authentic and, and also know that you are giving a service and to cater to your audience. I think yeah. that's a hard yes. balance to find. You totally. are a performer uh, yeah. and your, your body is what people look uh, for. So, but at the same time, you know, exactly how do you balance that? And so uh, a lot of it is being an exhibitionist really helps and it makes me feel sexy when people look at me and they find me sexy. And then when I see myself in the camera, and so uh, because of that, it sort of helps to maintain um, an attractive, visually attractive sort of approach. But there's also realism of um, what we do and, uh, and also just sort of bringing our life to, to the public. And we talk about science and healing and uh, proper ways of sort of structuring your mindset huh. on cam all the time, all the time. So, so it's like it, you a one-stop shop for all mental sexual health needs pretty much that's, that's cool. sort of but then that's kind of what we wanted to do we're like you know we want to be healers we want to be educators we want to be sexual and so instead of going into academia or anywhere else that would be all fragmented uh let's stay together mm-hmm. let's do all of these things our way and uh and so yeah our nerddom is part of that uh where we're extreme stem nerds and we're also extreme what know, nerds stem science oh uh, science technology engineering and mathematics STEM yes. nerds. Uh, STEM nerds. Yeah. I thought it was like so one of the things that, that STEM nerds in our do. research of you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you do um, camming, but also live um, cosplay erotica. Cosplay erotica, but like you do gaming and sometimes gaming with clothes on, sometimes gaming nude. What? Um, yeah. And you're a really good yeah. gamer. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds I, like my I middle tried. school, just playing The Sims naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not high school, middle school, right? <laughs> uh, I've actually just started, I mean, I've been doing like Twitch streaming and then with my patrons I do uh, naked gaming uh, every Saturday so I basically just you know do the normal gaming stream that I would on Twitch but you know not on Twitch and naked and so it's uh, it's just something I'm a nudist as well as a sexual person I just I'm more comfortable being naked as I am so (laughs) it's just how I feel the best and and I that's one of the things another thing I want to normalize is people's understanding of their bodies this is how we were made this is what we actually look like yeah all the stuff that we put on top of that that's nice and all but you know let's sort of do away with that and get back to accepting ourselves as we are and that's a fine line too because you know you have to seek self-improvement you have to seek uh, a better way of being with yourself and with others. And so how do you reconcile that with being yourself? You know, and I don't think yourself is anything that you currently are. Yourself is an idea that you have about yourself. It is what you want to be. Mm. It is your intention for yourself. And so following that uh, and, of course, doing things that you find valuable, uh, that is being yourself. And that is not in any way negate self-improvement. And going back to the advice to cam girls, one of the biggest things is, Uh, remember that people are there to find something that they don't normally have. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times everybody around uh, people are, they're unhappy. There's a lot of unhappiness. So you're there to provide a different experience. Exactly. And I would suggest to chem girls to, you know, what people, what men want most when they log on online is a smile. 
They just want someone to be happy to see them. And as long as you can provide just that, that will open so many doors for you and that will make you feel better. There's so much, so many studies that uh, go over taking yeah. it till you make it. Yeah, so smiling. yeah, that smiling changes your brain chemistry. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a feedback loop. What we say about ourselves out loud, for instance, we hear back and that impacts our brain. And so what we do, yeah, that's our narrative. Brain, and then brain changes impact what we do. And it's this feedback loop that you can either go in the negative or go in the positive. So it's just about which side do you kick it into. Uh-huh. So but back to the gaming thing. Uh, and yeah, I, I very much enjoy uh, gaming and uh, like we're huge weebs, which is weeaboo is a word for. Um, What's that? A what? Weeaboo is. Weeaboo. Um, yeah, Urban Dictionary uh, for it's people who like Japanese culture and who watch a lot of anime and ah. who, you know. Yeah, so we, we watch anime as. We watch not cartoons, as in um, there's a lot of times anime whenever it's uh, dubbed, whenever you have American voice actors or English voice actors Mm -hmm. doing the words. They uh, hire a lot of cartoon actors, and the way that they're directed is very weird because when you compare an anime that has the original Japanese voice acting with the subtitles versus how they dubbed it, the mood, the tone, even the wording is cartoonish. Yes, it is just not the same. Not the same at all. So when you watch anime, you, you better be watching it dubbed because otherwise you're not watching anime. So yeah. does that kind of fit in with the, the cosplay? Yeah, I want to know about the cosplay yeah. camming. Very what much, is that? Very much. Uh, it is basically where uh, a lot of people um, are, you know, a lot of men anyway, um, at least the ones that sort of come Your to fans. us or are drawn to me. Yeah, uh, they're already anime fans and they're video game fans and that sort of, uh, and a lot of them started a sort of their sexual awakening through, like, you know, Star Wars or, like, Final Fantasy. Like, Princess Leia in her slave bikini was, like, sort of the first time they had a feeling. So, um, cosplay is really fun, not only for me, because I really relate to some of these characters. And I've always wanted to have, you know, purple hair or pink hair and, or, like, you know, weird colored eyes. And, uh, and this really is a great excuse to uh, indulge that side of me while also portraying a person, a character who I relate with, who I want to be like, who I feel is like me, or whatever. So you whatever. cam as the character in question? Uh, sometimes, yeah. I actually used to do it a lot more, but now it's it's focused mainly on, I provide content for my site, as well as Dollhouse is really where, you know, I'm trying to keep it a little more exclusive for that. But yeah, I definitely have it available for uh, scheduling. You know, you can order a custom video, a custom photo set, you can or schedule a live show. What's kind of, me, what are the kind character. of requests you get? Well, um, there's, I have a, a bit of a niche for like foot fetish, apparently. Oh. I don't know. Let's uh, see. Let's see your feet. Let's see them. All right. All right. All right. Uh, people, people like them. I don't know why it's, I can't, can I do this? Yeah. I yeah. I can't. Let's see. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I oh, I'm so I excited. I can do it. Whoa. Pretty. Ele- I like the anklets. Thank you. And yeah, that's, that's part of it. And so, um. You know, it happens. Uh, it's something that is really weird to me because growing up, I was a bit uh, bullied um, by a family member for my feet, and it made me feel like Lord, they were why? just. Like, I mean, my ever. toes have been made fun of a lot because they're just like little and funny. Well, so everyone, I feel like everyone's toes are so different. You got bullied for your feet. Yes, it was one of those weird situations where I think it was uh, they were dealing with some attraction issues, and so they had to sort of overcompensate into the negative. And it was actually because my feet are long and my toes are long is what I was bullied for. So you don't and need to rent it turns skis. out that's what people like. 
So it was just the strangest thing. That's so uh, funny. Going back to the cosplay thing, I think some people yeah. would say that you know, dressing up is pretending to be something else or someone that you're not. Mm-hmm. But I would also say that for some, dressing up is like being yourself. So I wonder what, what mm-hmm. you think That's in a- terms of, yeah, how cosplay fits into your life and your profession. Yeah, in my personal experience, uh, I like to cosplay characters that I relate with. I will not portray someone that I find unappealing um Uh and this means mentally more than than physically but of course it's always fun to look like something exotic or or whatnot so there's that element of sort of finding other aspects of yourself that you may not have been born with that are still very much part of you you know we have only this one finite body but in our mind we are comprised of many different aspects and so sometimes you're physical body cannot portray everything that you have going on in the mental sphere. Mm -hmm. So that is one way in which I see it. And in another way, uh, sometimes I would call it acting for the shy because, uh, you know, whenever you put on the costume, you sort of become that character Mm -hmm. because if you know them, you like them, you 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 take on the persona and then you, yeah. And that's the half of the fun of it too is, uh, so it is play. What kind of personas do you like? What are your characters like? Uh, well, one of the ones that is most popular for mine and is one of the most that we've put work into uh, in making the, embellishing the cosplay. And then uh, my partner's name is Richard Rawl, uh, but I call him Daddy. And he, hey, uh, Daddy. Hey, he, Daddy. <laughs> she calls him Daddy. We don't. Oh, sorry. He's not my Daddy. <laughs> he's everybody's Daddy. It's okay. I'm actually about to, I'm about to launch a, uh, a series because he's my sensei. He has taught me so much. Um, so much. And uh, he's healed me very much. I was quite a sad, broken person. Um, well, I wouldn't say broken, but I was quite a sad person uh, when he found me. And, uh, and he definitely mended my wings, for sure. Aww. And I would like to bring that to the world. And I'm about to um, set up a Twitch account, actually, uh, called Twitch? Daddy Explained, where I will uh, basically... I know um, Twitch because my partner is a nerd. And he, you know, it's he's often watching people play like Hearthstone mm-hmm. and all the games he does. So you can like watch people play games. Yeah, play games and play games with others. Oh, yeah, right. my brother used to do yes. that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Twitch is the platform where you uh, you have the game and then you have a little camera overlay or not. Um, uh, and actually, there's a lot of like faux cam girls that uh, can't quite uh, find it in them to do camming, but they still sort of do sexy twitching. Yeah, sexy twitching for donations, and then they have some of them have the goal to talk shit about cam girls and that's where I draw the line. <laughs> wait, I want to know about, so what is this character that you've worked the most on and have embellished the most? Yes, yes. Uh, Lulu from Final Fantasy Ten. So yeah, Daddy has made the, uh, a lot of the accessories for her and then we embellish the dress and uh, she has this dark mage goth character and the one thing I can't pull off is her giant anime breasts but you know what, I'm over it. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's okay. impossible almost. But so, like, you, so you like fuck as Lulu? Yeah. And, like, touch yourself uh, and do that kind of stuff? Uh, what's that? So you just, like, have, like, you have Lulu, like, have like you're Lulu and you have sex with your partner or do whatever you guys are doing as Lulu. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we actually, we actually have to film a, a custom video of specifically Lulu, but uh, there's some viewers of mine who particularly like both Final Fantasy X and, you know, my representation of Lulu, and I do a pretty damn good one, I'd say. And uh, people really like... Um, me being Lulu, and uh, going back to your question of what are some of my requests, uh, actually Joy, uh, Jerk Off Instruction. Are, oh, uh, joy. Jerk Off Instruction. I like that. 
Yeah, so like, and I used to get a little weird about it because I'm like, I don't, in other words, I, I don't understand, uh, I need to understand what people find appealing about so, it. Can you walk us through what some joy like instructions are? So I just yeah. want to make sure I understand what it is. So it's like men who are tuning into your cam channel and you're telling them how to jerk off. Right. And that's okay. sort of, that's the idea, when, right? Uh, at least that's how I came upon it first. And I wanted to sort of explore it more in order to be able to have role play dirty talk, which I, I quite pride myself in my ability to role play in a sense of, you know, do dirty talk. And it's something that I find appealing. Especially myself. as a non-native speaker of English. Yes. <laughs> and, and I really like invoking, a lot of times uh, you can get a stronger reaction from a penis or a customer, um, by saying things than you would by showing. And that mm -hmm. just really blows my mind. I love that. Uh, and so I've been really just digging, talking to my viewers and saying all sorts of naughty things. Uh, but in order to understand how to do, uh, jerk off instructions, I wanted to understand what people like about it. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that it was like, well, you know, you just tell him, uh, you know, go up and down and do the, you know, uh, but as I started exploring it more, and seeing what people, what my viewers actually wanted and how they approach it, it's more of a, it's more of a, um, like you're there with them almost. And the narrative is, all right, take off your pants, pull out your cock. So, I mean, you're giving them instructions. Yeah, yeah. But you're also talking about what you want them to do. And right. so, and it kind of makes them feel desired. And that's of course. the number one thing that I found in my clients is feeling desired. And which is where the succubus sort of thing comes in. Because you because want the them because you need their life. Yes. Yes. The succubus and they want to give it. And drain like. you. Yeah. Yes. And they want an excuse to give it too. Yeah. Uh, and, and not feel pathetic and not feel looked down upon. There's just a lot of stigma associated with cam viewers and people who, men who seek sex yeah. uh, work. Um, so well, a lot of what so you said is sometimes they just want to see a smile. And so I, I've had lots of clients and people I know who are not connecting with partners or not connecting with people. And I think sometimes it's just that connection that feels nice. Yeah. Wait, I, I want to kind of change the topic a yeah. tiny little bit, um, but I think it does have to do with like sort of like making men feel better about like what they want. Um, so in doing mm -hmm. research on you and who you are, I saw that you're a co-host on the on Honey Badger Radio. Yes. Right? And yes. I just found out what the Honey Badgers are like a couple weeks ago. And, it's, and correct me if I'm wrong. It's my understanding that it's women who are involved and in support of the men's rights movement. If I, am I yes. correct? And I would love... Um, are you guys familiar with the documentary, um, The Red Pill? Yes, I am. I actually was one of the, thanks for backing The Red Pill. Uh, Cassie is, uh, in fact, she's going to do a TED Talk uh, pretty soon. And uh, yeah, I've, uh, I'm still technically a co-host, um, though I'm not sure uh, when the last time I was on there. They've definitely changed direction somewhat, and they've invited other people in. And generally, I feel like I'm their token liberal. And, uh, okay, yeah, because I'm curious about well, that. Yeah, everything you're saying is, is very Seems much very supporting. with that. Yeah, like, a, you know, feminism and freedom and, and self-exploration. And then, I mean, this is probably a, maybe a stereotype, but on the other side, how does that fit in with, I guess, the, the honey badger yeah. agenda? Yeah, um, the, the issue that I sort of would have, uh, quote unquote, with, with feminism is, is sort of in the name even. Um, it is feminism. It is female-centered. I mean, I definitely feel like there is a imbalance between the genders currently, and uh, there is a lot of it is very accepted socially to uh, sort of say that men are toxic, 
men are bad, men are this, men are that, while women can do no wrong. And I find that extremely insulting to women. And I think that it is uh, treating women as infants and treating them as more vulnerable than they are. And uh, I find a lot of sort of, if you call an issue with feminism, it's sort of in the name feminism it is female centered and i think that we need to look at the male female relationship as a whole and we need to acknowledge that there is extreme amount of strength in a more of a supporting gentle kind role that women have been abandoning um women have been wanting to become more like men uh in the sense of this aggressive stereotypical thing mm. while we also uh ignore the fact that a lot of times the people who encourage or drive men to be extremely aggressive and uh, domineering is actually the women in their lives. See, I, fact, would actually, my- I would actually maybe disagree a little bit with that because I, I think you brought up a really interesting point about how, like, men are, um, like, there's this idea that feminism is saying that, like, women can do no wrong and men are bad and men are toxic. And, I mean, I'm a feminist, like, loud and clear, but I don't think that mm-hmm. men are toxic. I think masculinity, like, masculinity can be toxic. I think, like, the patriarchal system, like, feminism is only called feminism because it's in reference to, like, patriarchy, right? And to Mm -hmm. me, the patriarchal system is what forces men to be stoic and forces men to be non-emotional and forces men to be aggressive in the same way that it forces women to be a certain thing. And I completely agree with you that women aren't all one way and men are also not all one way. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's a really interesting thing about feminism and what why I'm so curious about being like you being the quote-unquote liberal in the men's rights activism group is right. that my understanding of, of, of MRAs is that it's anti-feminist first and then men's mm-hmm. rights second. And I... And, yes, and I, I can... And that may be valid to say. And, uh, and I would like to go back to uh, sort of your description of... The patriarchy, so once again, um, the patriarchy is men. So ultimately, the the bad thing is male in nature. And I don't think that's fair. And uh, the other question is, do you think there's such a thing as toxic femininity? Definitely. Can that exist? I right. would say, I would say it's, in my, I guess, experience of it is slightly different as well in that I think I agree that we should, uh, you know, empower women and, you know, there is a strength to Absolutely. femininity, of course, um, but that it's more, you know, the structures set into place by our by our culture, by our society that has tried to like dull that strength, whether it's in how much women are paid or how women are viewed in terms of what they can accomplish. And so I think it it's almost like serving oh, yeah. the same message, but mm-hmm. just with a different. Yeah, there's know, definitely a lack. There's outside. been a, a lack of appreciation of uh, you know the the gentle nurturing sort of tradition traditionally feminine aspect and there's been a lot of focus on the masculine and a lot of that has to do with the fact that men are the first disposable ones to be sent into war men are the ones that are especially in like middle eastern countries and asian Mm. countries uh the women are not allowed to have jobs except the male child is the one who is forced to have a job to feed the rest of his female family so there's this aspect of not recognizing the sacrifice that men put forward and we're in this really interesting stage in in civilization right now because we've had sort of uh natural uh differences between men and women there's a lot of compelling neuroscience research that goes into what babies like newborns uh male versus female what they focus on faces versus mechanical objects there there are certain proclivities that have to do with testosterone and with estrogen right but but when you look at when you look at like biological sex we also learn that there's like not necessarily like too strict biological sexes and there really is more of a 
Not a, not a oh, gender absolutely. spectrum, but like yeah. a biological sex spectrum. But there are differences yeah, yeah. in that's, that biological that's the, spectrum. That's the interesting times that we sort of live in right now because uh, we've actually had the same brain uh, sort of look and type and all the brain structures that we currently have. We've had that for like 660,000 years, like 30,000 uh, A long time. It's been a really, really long time. <laughs> Give or take yes. a few. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, however, civilization has only been around for like what maybe six thousand years, mm -hmm. uh, and the super modern civilization has only been around for like a thousand, a uh, hundred to two hundred right. years. Right, right, right. So, uh, and of course, we are putting ourselves into very interesting configurations and cities, and there's rise of you know different uh, mental abilities, such as there's the autism thing. Uh, which and then there's also people who are more integrated, and so men are becoming more towards the middle. Women are becoming more towards the middle. So we are now, we kind of are stuck between this. Well, originally there were, men were a lot more masculinized and women were a lot more feminized. And there was sort of a division of labor, division of interests through their biology. But now uh, through civilization and through uh, neurochemicals or the chemicals that affect our neuroscience and neuropeptides and all of that. And through estrogens that, phytoestrogens, which is plant estrogens mm -hmm. uh, that we get through our food and uh, all, the all the hormone changes that we get through plastic, uh, insulin. For instance, is also hormones. So the mm -hmm. modern way of feeding ourselves, all of that has actually changed our neurochemistry enough to where we're in this weird limbo place where men are becoming a little more towards the female side, women are becoming towards the. I kind of like side that. Side. Personally, I like that. How do you feel? You're like, yeah, you think I, it's better yeah, when it's absolutely. more divided? Like, As I think there's something really quite. Um, spectrum, I love it. <laughs> I think it's the best. Yeah, I think so. Together. Yeah. So you yeah, put no, yourself. You you're on the spectrum. Yes, uh, I am. I, very much uh, Asperger's, uh, so, you know, not really, you know, deep in the spectrum, but a little bit. Enough oh, I missed to, that. Okay. Enough to have had difficulties in, uh, you know, understanding why the girly girls don't like me. You know, like, why, why can't we get along? And then why do I, you know, tend to be with, understand, and feel comfortable with around boys, but then... Why do the super jog boys don't like me? You know, there's like all this weird stuff growing up that, you know, yeah. I finally can put it. So in the way it. in the way you defined it earlier, it sounds like there's a part of your brain on the spectrum that feels like it perhaps aligns more with a stereotypical male maleness, yeah. Yes. And then I also Be careful feel, your mic again. Uh, yeah, and growing up I've had um sort of, you know, through my grandmother cutting off my hair when I was young and like, and people mistaking me for a boy, I've never really uh, embraced my feminine side because I didn't feel like I had one. Uh, but, you know, my partner, like I said, he, he really, he rescued me. He really saved me in a lot of ways. And he helped me see myself as feminine mm. and see myself uh, as a woman and, you know, nurture the, the feminine aspects, which is, you know, I would say compassion, um, empathy, uh, all those things that, you know, you would not, so, socialness, understanding other people and their motivations, you know, all of that stuff. So that I hear been, that you're really grateful to him as a man in your life. I've generally, yes, been, been grateful to, to men in my life. And I've also had really strong female role models um, who have, you know, been signed. Like my mom is a doctor and my grandmother is an engineer. We have to. We do have to finish up in a few minutes, though. Yeah. But I would love right. to bring you back on to talk more about oh, this yeah. if you're this open is to. Super fucking interesting. Because we have. Oh, I would really. love to talk about the spectrum and things. But 
Um, we would love for, we're so grateful to have had you come on and talk about all these things. But I just want to make sure that all of our listeners can find you on the internet yeah. should they want to. So how can they do that? They can find me on AnnaCherry.com uh, or uh, by finding my social media on Twitter, AnnaCherry on top. And of course, if you want to catch my live show, that is AnnaCherryLive.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. As always, if you like Sluts and Scholars, make sure to subscribe, review, tell your friends. Hit us up on Twitter at Sluts Scholars or on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. Um, and of course, email us with any questions that you might have for Anna or any of our guests uh, at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.